Hi, it's your boy Charlie. In this second installment of the Being Black in America series, I welcome back a longtime friend and returning guest of the show, Harry Ezel III, as we talk about the current events around the Black Lives Matter movement and why it is so important to take action now so that change may happen. Please share this with your friends, family, and subscribe to the show. I hope you enjoy. Charlie Maverick. This is the Mavcast audio blog. I have a special, special guest today. He is a reoccurring guest, but needless to say, this dude is the man. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad you're here to talk about like uh, uh, this very serious topic. Harry Ezel III, of course. How you been, man? I've been well. I've been well. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And trust me, the pleasure is all mine being joining you on your show, Charles. Now, you know, we usually talk about tech or, or sports or something or like a show. And it's, you know, it's it's more fun, right? But mm -hmm. to today, I feel like ever since the beginning of this year, thing have, things have like take spun out of control and it causes people to have less humorous conversations or conversations that they usually have. And we're always talking about something either super negative, um, super stressful, but you know, no matter what it is, it's always like a, a serious conversation. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll try to be as lighthearted as possible. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. This this topic is is pretty heavy. Um, mm -hmm. And all right, so let's let's start from the beginning. Because we want to get to a certain point in the conversation to where um, a message is given uh, to maybe uh, give hope in this time of, I don't want to say darkness, but it's getting pretty dim uh, in most people's eyes. Um, my wife and I were talking and, you know, day upon day, it's almost like you have this conclusion already of 2020 like 2020 is a whole bitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> like everything that could have happened so far 
has happened and it feels like it's the book of revelations in the bible and i don't even read the bible anymore but it, from covid-19 to the the all the killings well most recent killings of black people by officers and then natural disasters and all that with all that how how have you been keeping your sanity uh so far this year Man, 20, 2020 has been a rough year. It seems as though like Kobe Bryant was the glue that was holding everything together. So trying mm. to keep my sanity in this time, it's like you don't have sports to escape to. So you can't have that debate. You just have the aftermath of the pandemic, the racial injustice going on. So you try to absorb everything that's going on, take it in, have open and candid conversations with loved ones, in people who want to understand what you're going through and what you've been through in life. So that's how I've been keeping my sanity. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's, it's rough. Like day by day, it starts to kind of just bleed into each other. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's kind of hard to keep track of where you are anymore. Every day seems the same, just more issues. Um, and it's kind of hard to keep sanity. I mean, people have been drinking a lot. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. The liquor store has been uh, in, in the heavy business. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing. Um, so, in light of all the recent activities, events that have been going on with, let's say, the racial injustice, um, the racial inequality, the, the, the police killing of, of black men, Black people, I should say, because females are in that too. Um, how how does that make you feel when when you see these these images of of events that could could have been um, you know avoided um, situations that should not happen anymore in the day and times that we live in, but it feels like you know, you're watching this, you're like, how did we get here? Or why are we still here? How, did, how does it make you feel when you saw, like, uh, the image of George Floyd, um, you know, being knelt on until his death? So at first, sadly to say, I was numb to the situation because it's not the first time that this has happened, police brutality that killed an innocent Black man, right? Right. So... And then you you start to read about why he was in police custody and why they did what they did. And then you, I became enraged because I'm just like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, what was it, a counterfeit $20 bill or a bad check that he wrote that still nobody has been able to produce the crime hmm. that he committed, right? Right. And then we're like, you see the video and you see that he's already in handcuffs being walked by police to the police cruiser. And then you're like, well, where is he resisting? And then you see the officer throwing him to the ground. And I'm like, again, where is he resisting? And then you see the atrocity that happened, the officer not only putting his neck on his throat, but repositioning his knee several times to make sure that he has a good grip on his throat between the concrete. Oh, and then man. the rage just comes out. The rage yeah. just comes out. Because at this same time, a white man is arrested in Tennessee for double, he's a double murder suspect. He's handcuffed. 
and he screams that he needs water, and the police officers go and get him water. And I'm just like, this this double standard for justice. I'm, I'm just like, you know, we used to joke about it. Well, I shouldn't say we. I used to joke about it back in, like, elementary school. Like, it was liberty and justice for y'all. I'm like, this really isn't a joke. This is the truth. Yeah. It's like it's two justice systems. Like, if you have a certain skin color, you're treated one way. And if you have a different skin color, you're treated a totally different set of rules. It's it's awful the time we're living through still in this country. You would think that what our fathers and ancestors through would not still be going on. But we can clearly see, just turn on the television, it's still happening. And, you know, the sad part about it is um, if people weren't around to have those cell phone videos, just like the Ahmaud Arbery situation, if there was no cell phone videos, we would have probably not even heard of this happening, mm-hmm. um, which is good that we live in this kind of surveillance age. But it's sad that things like this get swept under the rug and covered up uh, if there is no one present to record it. And I, I know watching you know, documentaries on Netflix about, you know, racial injustice. I mean, things haven't changed, man. It, it, it's it's like you watch, you look at the one with uh, Amadou Diallo, uh, 41 Shots. That that was the, you know, the whole thing back in mm-hmm. the late 90s. You're like, even then, why why is that happening? And and you look at it now, you're like, man, I thought we I thought we progressed so much as as people, especially when we had this whole movement, a change with Barack Obama. But I, I think I think some people were like, OK, we had enough of trying to correct. We we, we have a, a, a person in the office that tolerates us to act as racist as we possibly can. So let's just turn it up a little bit. Let's remind them how much we hate them. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's that's really what I get from like constant, 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 always a reminder. We go through this like numerous times a year and mm-hmm. it's just at the point where you're just so fed up and and it's depressing um, because I don't know about you, but especially with the Ahmaud Aubrey thing, I'm afraid to go out and walk in my neighborhood at night. Because I live in an area that used to be known for not letting black people in. And we've grown up in the South. We we still live in the South. So it's not anything really new to us to have to worry about that. But, I mean, we're getting at the age to where, I mean, we should, we feel we shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel the same mm-hmm. way. Uh, no, I don't feel the same way. And I had this conversation with my mother because I'm an avid runner. And I love going out and running. It's how I clear my mind. And my mom had asked me to stop running while this whole George Floyd, Amon Aubrey situation was going on. And I said, if I stop running, that's just me letting them know that they won. Right? Right. Yeah. So, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I need to go out and I need to still run and hold my head up high to let them know that even though you may strike me down, and even though you may be found innocent for killing another unarmed black man that was just running around in the neighborhood, I'm not scared. You're not going to scare me. I mean, it's sad that I have to utter those words in 2020, 
but it's the way that I feel, that I will not let you think that you won in this situation. And I, I want to talk about another topic that you mentioned uh, about being in the workplace and how you feel going into work every day. Like, I've had wonderful conversations with, with, with uh, several coworkers that are white at the company that we work for. And one of the coworkers, uh, we are having a conversation, and he was like, I don't understand it, Harry. Why can't every black person be like you? Like, you made it out. And I was just like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's, let's yeah, stop. What does that something. mean? Yeah, explain. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, like, I didn't, I didn't make it out of poverty. Let's just go. Let's just go put it like that. Like, my life right. was very privileged when you look at the, the average or the medium black statistic, right? I grew up in a right. predominantly all-white neighborhood, went to predominantly all-white schools, was given the ability that my parents put forward to go to college. Now, if you look at what my parents experienced and what I experienced, it's two different, completely, totally different experiences. Even if you take it out of the time period and you just put their economical situation and put it into my time period, it's still two totally different time periods. So what my parents did to get to where they were made it damn sure that I didn't have to go through the same struggle that they did, and I felt great for it. Amen. And I had to break it down to them that the reason why we say it's systematic racism that we face every day is because you look at the majority of oppression that's been put on black people and you judge us all by that. And you see the few that come out of that and you're thinking, oh, he did it. Why can't everybody else do it? And the answer to that question is, is that black excellence is less than white average. And what I mean by that, we have to work twice as hard just to be considered to be average to what a white person does. It's true. And when I said that to him, he was just like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I was just like, if I make straight A's in school, I have teachers asking, what am I doing? How do I do this? Why did I get this A? When little Johnny or Billy makes straight A's in school, he gets told, good job, great job. And even if you take it away from education and look at it on the athletic playing field, if I do a spectacular move on the playing field, it's always, oh, he's supposed to do that. He's natural. It's never, oh, I worked hard to do that. It's just those type of systematic racial profiles that we put on black people that other races don't have to deal with. That's what's holding us back. And, and once and- that barrier is removed, go ahead. You, you you brought up a good point uh, that that reminded me of uh, like one stereotype that we are stuck with a lot, and and I say that leading into it because it's it's the whole articulating thing. I know you've heard that before. You speak very well. You articulated that, or sometimes in the black community as well as inside racism, you know, and you're saying you sound mm-hmm. white. Just because you can formulate a sentence, because you went to uh, English class and you paid attention and, and and you wanted to, you know, train your voice to be that way, you're looked upon as either being like a sellout in the black community or white people are surprised that, hey, I didn't know you could speak that well. Well, that's great. And then they want to, you know, look at you in a different light because when they see you coming, 
they automatically thinking that you're going to talk like a, a I don't know a, a rapper. And, and, and the funny thing about rappers, they they can they can talk really eloquently when they want to. So that's one thing that really annoys me. But to your point, we have to try harder all the time at everything, everything that we do. I remember back in college um, in, in a, a literature class, we had to write uh, this term paper and I was already a psychology major. Um, I was doing OK in class. I wasn't I wasn't a stellar performer, uh, but I put my heart into that 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 final paper to the point where my white professor went to the the head of the department and and uh, recommended that I go on academic probation because they I, they thought I plagiarized. No proof at all. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I had to write an appeal letter and they're like, oh, I, I guess he can write well enough to make good grades here. <laughs> so it's, it's stuff like that, that, it, that it's disheartening it's not fair, and it's a constant struggle. Like I remember watching uh, This Is Us, and there's a character on there that um, my wife says I kind of look like, uh, and and he uh, speaks very well. As you know, I, I hate to have to say that, but it's a thing. You you know, he speaks very well, and and a part of his struggle was you can visually see how much he had to fight to be better than everyone because he was adopted into a white family and he constantly constantly had to be the best at wherever he had to be so i totally get what you're saying but but it's a sad it's a sad story to keep telling that whatever we do at some level it's not good enough for you know the majority of the population yeah, so I think you're referring to Sterling Brown, the the black guy with the glasses on This Is Us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do kind of look like him. And <laughs> yeah. It is it is quite amazing. It is quite amazing that in twenty twenty stuff that should have been over with in the nineteen sixties when the Civil Rights Act got signed in sixty four, that we shouldn't still be having to go through. And what's shocking to me is that a lot of my white friends that called me finally admitted to me that white privilege is real. I only had one. And I thought the one that it did happen to, he would have known better. He would have known better because him and I have been friends for a long time. Mm. And I was just like, how could you, I mean, because him and I have been in situations where the police officer has asked him, what is going on? It wouldn't even talk to me. And I was just mm -hmm. like, how, cause I, not to get into the details of the story. And, and I was just like, how did you, like, how did you not even realize that this was going on? Like I went through this. He, and he just came out and said, he's like, Harry, because you never let me, you never let it known to me that you were going through this. I just thought that it only happened to those people who lived in those certain areas. I didn't know that it happened to you as well. And I'll just, I thanked him for his honesty and I'll just like, hey, from now on, let's just more, be a little bit more open with, with, with each other. And whenever you think you might've noticed a moment of racial disparity, say something. And when I notice a moment of racial disparity, I'll say something. And so we just kept moving because, you know, we're still friends, you know, I'm not gonna, and, I have, right. and that's what I have to tell people. I'm not gonna love you any less 
because it's something that you didn't know, right? Like I made a tweet a couple of days ago that, hey, ignorance right now can no longer be an excuse, right? We've used not ignorance now. for way too long. Yeah, not now. You have to apologize. With all this information right? out here on the internet, you can find anything that you want to. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. You, it's got to be completely abolished. Like for yeah. far too long, we've just said that, hey, I'm ignorant to the situation because I don't see it. Therefore, it doesn't exist. That that time is over. So now, like people who reach out to me, I am removing all of the glass ceilings and I'm letting the light shine through, so you can see what's actually happening. Because another great quote that I read online was an NFL player that was talking to one of his white head coaches. He said, "Yeah, the news is rough to watch right now, so." I just changed the channel so I don't expose my kids to it. And the mm-hmm. NFL player, Cam Jordan, for the New Orleans Saints, said, I don't have that same luxury. And mm-hmm. it's the truth because he has True. two beautiful daughters. And if he doesn't educate his young queens on the world that they're going to step out into, they're in for a world of trouble. It's sad. I don't know if he cut out or not, but... um. Oh, let me see. <clears throat> yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead with what you were saying. No, I, I was just saying that the NFL player Cam Jordan was talking about his coach and how his coach was saying that he doesn't allow his kids to watch the news anymore. Mm-hmm. He just changes the channel, and Cam Jordan stating that he doesn't have that same luxury. He has to educate his beautiful queens as to what world they're going to be stepping out into. I'm like, yeah, that hit home. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's sad that people, I mean, it, it had to happen, but it's sad that you have to subject this type of heavy discussion on kids that don't really get the nuances of life anyway and try to help them navigate, you know, through, you know, being around people that are uh that that look at them in a in a certain way because of their skin color their hair and the the way that you have to talk to them is you gotta you gotta kind of put that heavy the heavy tone on it to, to drive the importance because they don't get it and and you don't want them to get it the hard way by them being in a situation to where they had to fear for their lives or, or they have this post-traumatic stress uh, thing of and this is how they learn about it. it. It's tough. We can't, we can't not have these conversations um, with the, the the young ones because they're the future and and they they're trying to be better than we are. Right. Every generation get, I feel gets a step closer to being more diverse and inclusive. Important to say diverse and inclusive because you got to include that diversity into your in your life and i feel that they want to do that and and i don't know if it's i don't know if this may be hindering uh their thought process of how they want to approach it because until you're faced with something like these situations you're thinking okay people like me for me i don't see color and i'm sorry for those that say they don't see color or the friends that the friends that say to you, hey, I don't see color. I need you to see color now. 
I, I, I get what you're trying to, to say, but I need you to acknowledge the, the, the hurdles that we have to, to jump through or over rather because of the simple fact that our skin tone is is dark. Yeah, it's rough. So I had a I had a female talking to me and she was like, I just wish more people could be like me. I don't see color. And the way that I broke it down to her that you most definitely see color. Because I was like, let's look at your list of ex-boyfriends. How many of your ex-boyfriends are a different color than white? I'm not even saying black, Asian, Latino, Indian. How many different races have you dated in your life? And she's like, well, that doesn't matter. Like, I prefer something. I'm like, prefer something like a color? And she's like, oh, well, I never thought of it like that. And I was just like, you most definitely see color. Because if you didn't see color, you would have dated the entire rainbow spectrum. Now, your friends might be diverse, but you definitely prefer to be intimate with just one particular race. I'm not saying that's racist, but that's seeing color. Yeah, and you like see color. That whole, yeah, you have to see color. Like, that just, like, that, that's, it's borderline offensive to me when somebody tells me, oh, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, really? Where, mm. I just... Whenever you I don't see now, color, but you laugh at that black joke I just told, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, come on. You, you, you don't see color, but you assume that I listen to rap and, and I love basketball. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is true. I mean, when you recommended a place to go eat, you said, hey, they have good chicken there. I mean, come on. You, you see you see color. Fried chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want wings? Uh, lemon pepper? Well, how, I mean, uh, I do, but you ain't had to say it like that, you know? <laughs> that's that's what's so hard, Charlie. It's when when they look at you, it's like, hey, they have good wings and they have lemon pepper, and you're just like, shut up. You know that's what I want, but I don't want you to say that I want it. <laughs> I, I know that you and I have, <laughs> we have this comfort level with who we are, and when we're around uh, people of other races, we make no pun intended, off-color remarks, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> trying to be humorous about things, right? You, and we might we might tell mm-hmm. like this. I, I, I think we do it. I, don't, I, I think I do it just to see the reaction because I like to, at some point, kind of make things uncomfortable. I, I might be an asshole for doing that, but I mean, whatever. And, and you kind of see how people are when the, you make those kind of like jokingly comments, because you know, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive about many things, but I have to be lighthearted in some ways, because you know, if the racism is always around me, I got to get through it by humor, you know. Um, you see, and I think that's why we're really good friends, because I use humor too to first test people and to see if I can lighten the mood as well, yeah. because, like you said, we do several antidotes that are highly questionable. And we both just look around and we're trying to say, oh, okay, we know we can't do that again around those people. And we know, oh, okay, these are some people that might want to listen to us and have a conversation about it. So, yeah, I 100% totally get where where you're coming from. And it's, and like, just now just thinking about that, it's sad that we have to literally, it's like, 
when you want to see if the pool is ready for you to dive into, how you just put your toe in to see what type of temperature the water is, it's basically how we have to enter a room. Because it's like, just think about it when you go to a meeting at work. And I don't know if you do it, but I definitely, when I walk into any meeting, I go, one, two, oh boy. Just yeah. going to be three of us in here. Or one. And it's, I mean, yeah, or one, and you're the one. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so like, uh, okay, this have, we'll, see, we'll see how we make it through this. You know, sometimes yeah. I even look at the meeting invite to see how many uh, people of color are on there. I'm like, ah, oh, all right. Well, this is how my day is going to go. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. I mean, and I want to be—I want to be perfectly clear for for people that are listening. That I mean, we're laughing and joking about this, but this is very freaking serious. And this is the things that we have to think about every time we wake up, from from the time we step out our house to the time we come back in and close our eyes and go to sleep. There's always this this processing of data that says. What do I have to prepare myself for? Even when you watch TV, you go on social media. What am I? What am I going to see today that is either going to piss me off, hurt my feelings, or say I can't be friends with these people anymore? Yeah, I'm that, just saying. Yeah, that is, that is the uh, that is the the sad, the sad, the very, very sad truth. That it's going to be what is going to make me mad today. Like, where's the mask? What mask do I have to put on today to get through this BS that I'm about to go into? It is yep. a very, very sad, sad reality that we live in. And so I, I know that you're the leader of the show, but there's one topic that I really want to talk about. And oh, I want to talk about the protests. That's that going on. I, yes, that would that was about to segue into that. But great, go you ahead. You're about to segue into that. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I, I sure cool, was. Cool. Um, because the the reason why we picked up this this conversation so quickly, uh, rather than having this recorded later, is because uh, you told me that um, you had the opportunity and the willingness to be a part of this movement. Um, you know, with all the all the marching, the protesting out there. And, and and whatnot, you are in. Can I disclose largely where you are? Yeah. Is that okay? Go ahead. You're you're in D.C., um, mm-hmm. close to the White House, marching mm-hmm. with those people uh, that are trying to push for change. Before mm-hmm. you go into, um, um, I believe you're about to say something. But before you go into that, I I want I want to ask you a large question. What made? At what point did you say, "Effort, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go protest. This is the right thing to do. I want to be part of history." All right. So, I like to say that everybody deserves equal opportunity in this great country called America. And I was literally sitting up at a Pride brunch, and I'm thinking. I'm out here celebrating pride and I'm not a member of that community, but I'm not out protesting and I'm a member of the community of the people that are protesting. What am I doing? Now that doesn't take anything away from the pride movement because they deserve the right to be out and free without persecution. Of course. But I'm helping their cause or supporting their cause, but I'm not supporting a cause or I'm not doing I'm not doing anything actionable, right? Because me right. 
going to the pride event is an action versus me just sitting on the couch like, yeah, they should have it. And I definitely sat on the couch and said, yes, we should be free. We should have the same liberties, but I haven't done any action behind it because it's all lip service until there's action behind it, right? Yes. So I was, I was literally sitting behind it and gave my sister a call and said, hey, I want to go. And she said, cool, no problem. Let's make it happen. So within a day's turnaround, I'm in Washington, D.C. And then I'm just like, hey, where's your house in proximity to the Capitol building? They told me the directions to go. I walked it. I got out there and I posted some recordings on social media. And supposedly he has a 12-foot fence. Now, I'm six feet, and I walked up to the fence, and I reached my arm up, and I touched the top. You've seen me. My arms are not six feet tall, so go ahead and figure that it's not 12 feet. So they're not good at math either. (laughs) (laughs) Basic measurement. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, but he's, he's literally fortified himself inside the White House. It is a fence that probably... Like, I am good at math, and I, if I had to guesstimate, I would probably say it's like one square mile mm. or one, or at least one city block. I know that's two drastic measurements, but let's just go one city block. He's literally put fences all the way around it. And I'm just thinking, in 1992, when they had the L.A. riots, were any government houses fortified like that or government official buildings fortified like that? You know, when they had the... Uh, what was it, 2014, Mike Brown, when he was killed, did they fortify any government buildings or any of the other protests that happened in uh, Michigan and New York were any government buildings fortified like that? Like, I cannot think of any other time in my lifetime that the White House has been fortified like that. And they're literally armed guards just walking around the whole time. And they put you basically into it. They bottleneck all the protesters into one square. So if anything like a riot was to break out, you're definitely in a kill box. But I still went in there and I was out there for about two hours protesting, listening to powerful words spoken by people and the message being brought about getting 45. Because I don't, I don't say his name, so I refer to him as 45, of getting 45 out of the White House and for change coming into America and to end racism, end social, social injustice. And the thing that was so sad is when you look at these people who are out there peacefully protesting, and there was a person out there that was, I call them insurgents, but they were basically a person that was against the Black Lives Matter movement, had their little sign up there. And it was just one person. It was a brave elderly woman. She was out there holding her sign up. She didn't say anything. She just held her sign and walked by, walked in the middle of the crowd and everything. And nobody pushed her, said anything to her, and just allowed her to express her First Amendment right, just like we are expressing our First Amendment right. And I'm sitting there, and I'm at that church on Lafayette Street. I forgot the name of the church, but I think it's like St. Paul or St. John. Uh, I can't remember the name of the church, but it's at 1600 in Lafayette. I was at that church. The one with the one with the photo op? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that same one. And I'm just thinking, where, was, where, where are the evil people? Like, where are the people that are causing the chaos? And where was the ruckus for you to do, for 45 to do what he ordered to be done? 
And I had this conversation with a conservative, conservative friend of mine. And he was like, the president is right within his power to do what he did. And I was like, you are absolutely correct about that. The president can order action against a body of people, whether American or not, to clear a path for him to travel safely. That is 100% within its power. Yeah, he that used that loosely. Question. <laughs> yeah. But that is not what's in question. The, mm-hmm. What is in question is the reason why he wanted to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, if he would have had a wonderful speech prepared or addressed the people or did anything else other than just take a picture, I well, he, he held the Bible the wrong it. way in the, fir- the first place. He held yes. the Bible the wrong way. <laughs> like, really, <Yes>. dude? <laughs> yes, like, have you never opened this book before in your life? Have you never seen this book before in your life? Has he opened a book is a question because, I mean, you know yeah. how the orientation of a book has to be. <laughs> yeah. And then the people who were lining up for the photo op didn't even know how to stand next to each other. They had, like, y'all didn't practice this before you dispersed the crowd? like. I was just like, um, this is... It speaks I to mean, the disorganization, any, right? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, if anybody has half a brain right now, I don't see how you can vote for this man come November. You know, you and, you remind me of something when you just said that. I know you heard about the Biden interview with Charlemagne the God, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll get back on the protest thing uh, right after these messages. Anyway, um, but... A lot of black people got offended by what Biden said, saying if you if he directed it towards Charlemagne trying to be, you know, uh, snippy, right, whatever. But basically he was saying, I'm paraphrasing, is that um, if you ain't if you don't vote for me over this guy, you ain't black. Personally, I yeah. wasn't offended. I wasn't offended at all. I'm like, thank you for somebody saying that. <laughs> Like even even if you ain't black at this point, how you vote for this dude with all the nasty shit he's doing right in plain sight? Why? How, why? You have to be you have to be hateful. You have to you have to not like black people or people that don't look like you. I'm not going to single out black people because they it might be transferable. You have to, to you have to not like freedom. You have oppression, you have to be a lot of people to vote for this guy. I mean, I'm sorry, 45, like, he would have to promise free money to the one percenters for generations upon generation in order to continue to get their votes. But yesterday, Mitt Romney, a one percenter, did I hear that? Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're pixelating. How about now? Hold it up to hold it up to the ceiling. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, that's better. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. That's better. Cool. All right. I was saying that Mitt Romney, a nationally known one percenter, who made comments directed to the one percenter that the ninety-nine percent wasn't going to vote for him, was out Mm -hmm. there protesting yesterday, saying that Black Lives Matter. I was like, even your one percenters are starting to swing the other way, dude. Forty-five is toast. Put some butter on them. He's done. 
<laughs> we hope so. But I mean, there's still this election that we have to uh, worry about how they're going to rig that. Anyway, back back to the back to the protest. So um, I commend you, and, and uh, you know, I don't want I don't want to tell another grown man I'm proud of him because it kind of sounds like weird, right? But a, a very <laughs> a very proud of the action that you took to be involved. You know, I'm I'm not the person, and you know, me, I'm not the person that would go out and put foot on the ground march like that um so this is my medium but uh i i i'm very but when you told me that i'm like wow um good job man like not even not even being condescending but good job seriously um so what how do you feel about the protesting actions that took place before you were there, like the, the social unrest, the burning down of, of, of structures or the attempted burning down of structures. How, how do you feel when you see uh, uh, protesters that go in and do things just like Charlottesville in, in, uh, in um, uh, Michigan with the COVID, there's like, you know, open us back up. And they and they were mostly white, if not all. How do you feel about the treatment of them versus whenever it's a it's a black protest? I, somebody they they send somebody in to the the f the thing up, and it always turns into some sort of violence. How do you, how do you feel how that is looked upon? All right, so I want to answer that question in two parts. I want to talk about first of all the difference between a white protest and a protest that affects black people, right? So when you look at those people in Michigan that were protesting, they were out there with long guns is what the news called them, but they were assault rifles and handguns and body armor within three inches of the police officer's face, screaming and yelling at them. Officers reported having hot urine, which means it came fresh from the spout and feces thrown on them. And the police chief had instructed his officers not to invoke violence unless violence is invoked upon you. And I was just like, wow. Mm. Just just shocked and amazed. Because mm. I look at the protest that affects black people, and I see that these people are out chanting and cheering, and the cops are moving towards them to disperse a protest. Mm-hmm. Now, our First Amendment right gives us the right of assembly and the right to protest. And then I see that cops will allow white people to protest, but they won't allow protesters to be out there protesting something that affects black people. Because if I was to really break it down and say, hey, let the black protesters go out there with assault rifles, body armor, and handguns, they wouldn't even make it to three feet from their car before the fire shots started opening against them. We know that. (laughs) We know this. We 300% know that. And if we go back to years when it was the, I believe it was Oregon, when it was occupying Oregon, when those protesters took over and occupied the Capitol House at Oregon, and one of the protesters literally shot an officer, and the police chief came out and said, no, they will not arrest the protester. I was like, what, what, wait a minute? (laughs) What, wait wait a minute, you're trying to tell me that somebody shot an officer, and there'll be no charges brought against him? 
I'm just saying that's a crime. And, you, you assaulted an officer. I mean, they had they had good reason to f them up. They didn't do anything. And then you know you turn on the TV and you see the protesters in Brooklyn and Manhattan, New York, and you see the police officers literally bludgeoning them to death. Mm-hmm. Well, he he didn't bludgeon them to death, but they was beating them with when they was guy was on the bicycle trying to leave when the, like the officer told him to leave. Now it's just like oh, this is this this is huge, hugely, hugely a double standard that's going on here in America. Yeah. And so the second part of your question was about the rioting going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will not agree with the riot and I will not encourage anybody to go out and cause destruction to public property or to private property, for that matter of fact. But a breaking point has been reached. Yeah. I myself will not go out and riot, but I can understand why people are rioting. Yeah. And of course, you know, the the other side of the argument, well, they're only out there tearing up stuff that that are minority-owned businesses and whatnot. And mm. here's what's interesting, because right now it's all conspiracy. Because I'm not I'm not saying facts. So if anybody listening, don't try to fact check me. This is I'm saying this is the conspiracy part right here. Is that the FBI is investigating and they have made arrests into people that they are calling insurgents that are going in and inciting a riot. And what I mean by that is that these are people who are not part of the Black Lives Matter movement or the peaceful protesters, and they are literally starting fires or throwing bricks in the buildings, and they are inciting a riot. There's a video that you can find on the internet of the peaceful protesters grabbing the people inciting a riot and taking them to the police officers, and the police officers are turning them away. Mm -hmm. So the FBI is investigating, and we know as the great Christopher Wallace said, I don't take the charges serious unless they're federal. So when these mm. charges start coming from the FBI, yeah, we know what exactly happened. Yeah. Mm. Do you, do you think that? Um, and this is gonna. I don't know if it's conspiracy theory or not, but my thought is, the footage that I've seen, <clears throat> the little secret footage that you know people post here and there, or this happened to leak out. It looks like, okay, two things what I'm going to say is um, it looks like they plant people uh, in those certain areas. Um, I think maybe somebody that's trying to throw wrenches in the whole movement maybe plants people um, there to cause the rise. And the other one is I see that the things like bricks were, were being placed in the areas where uh, the riot started, so it's like the, 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 someone's going out and placing, um, you know, blunt objects or, or things that can be used to cause damage in these places, and then you have the the violence ensuing. So it, it just seems to me that um, when they when they see that there's peaceful protest. Um, and I've I seen this in Flint, Flint, Michigan, too. You know, we've seen this before, uh, that they're like, okay, I need you to go over there. I need you to put that thing over there. When it gets dark, I need you to start breaking shit. And you know what? If you do it, you know um, how uh, psychology works. Um, when you start to do it, there's going to be 10 other people that just follow suit. Uh, go ahead and do it. I'm like, 
and it, it just seems so obvious. It, it just seems like, like how can you not tell? It, but, but they want to push the narrative that all oh, these black people can't protest without being, you know, um, uh, violent or looting and all that. I'm like, man, I, I just can't deal with it. It just, it just feels like a setup all the time. I don't know. I sound angry right there. No, 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 no. You're 100% right because I've seen the similar footage. Like, uh, we live in the great city of Atlanta, and there were bricks laid outside of the CNN building. And of course, you know what happened to the CNN building. Now, if you go, if you went down to that area where the CNN building is, there were no construction sites, no cranes up around there, none of that. So, where did these bricks come from? Hmm. Right. It, it was the setup. And I know that there have been arrests in Pittsburgh for the riots that happened in Pittsburgh, where they caught a couple of the insurgents that didn't even live in the state of Pennsylvania, that they caught them inciting a riot. And in Minneapolis, where they burned down that auto zone and set the car on fire, that they actually caught a photo of the guy setting the car on fire and breaking out the windows of that auto zone. And this is the funny thing is that his ex-wife called in and identified him as a police officer. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was just like, wow, she really hates you. <laughs> I mean, he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he did deserve it. Yeah. But, you know, you know they'll That's get their day in court, and we'll have, we'll have all the facts, so we can't say that this is conspiracy anymore, that, yeah, they actually did that, because we know the facts of what has happened to our communities in the past in America. And it just seems as though that it's no longer the government, it's these secret little militias and organizations that are doing it now. And hopefully we can weed these people out and expose them for what they are. And like the great Sean Carter once said, once the grass is cut, the snakes will show. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, and, and I mean, you're setting up the segues perfectly because what, what I kind of want to go into um, as we kind of try to close this up, the, the overarching message, there's two overarching messages um, that I want to, to, to send out. Um, one is a, a, a positive look on the future. How do we, how do we heal? How do we, how do we help a nation heal and and the other part of it is what what steps can we take to keep this these conversations going so it doesn't die down like you know how quickly people shift into different things as you know the new shiny thing comes out but how do we I'll ask you this question so you can answer the question and then maybe if I remember the second part I'll ask you again but how do we heal as a nation? What steps do we take? Yeah, so that's a wonderful question. And there's no one right answer for that question, right? So I encourage everybody who wants to have a conversation about it to have the conversation about it. Because like I said earlier in the podcast, ignorance is no longer an answer. You can no longer say it doesn't affect me, so therefore it's not real. So if you want to know, just call a black person that you know and just listen to one of their stories or listen to their story about the things that they've gone through, right? So educate yourself first. And then once you educate yourself, you got to vote. 
Gotta vote. Make an informed decision and vote. Yep. Because yeah. I 100% have fallen guilty to, ooh, I have to vote for this person because they're Democratic. Or, ooh, I have to vote for this person because they're Black. So it's no more of that needs to be happening. You don't just vote for the person because they identify with you on color or they identify with you based on political affiliations. You need to go out, you need to research, you need to find out what this person stands for. So when you do make your vote, you know you're voting for somebody that identifies with what you value in life somewhat loud. You're not going to find the one, the politician that you agree with 100% of the time. Like no. I will openly say that I didn't agree with Barack Obama 100% of the time, but I did an overwhelming majority agree with what he was doing. So yeah, you fair. have to, yeah, you have to find somebody with whom you identify and vote for them. But you got to vote. Yeah, you have to vote. You have to vote. Your second question is, how do we keep this going, right? Yeah. And that's, a, that's an excellent question as well. Because there's far too many times, far too many times, because I've heard it throughout my career, being at different jobs and whatnot, about there's going to be diversity training or you have a diversity training, and then it's lip service because you take the training, it happens, and then you hear the racist jokes again in the workplace, right? It just yeah. seems as though, yep, I passed the training, I'm good to go, but I can go right back to being a racist, right? <laughs> so you, you have to have the diversity training and then you have to apply it, apply the diversity training because you can look at your org chart and I can look at my org chart, or chart and you can go, okay, there's a black person in charge all the way down here, right? Right. And it's it's very depressing is that you don't see faces that look like yours in the senior leadership roles. So that's what needs to happen across the board is that we need to have these more diverse people in the role because it's hard to go to somebody who manages manages you and they don't look like you, they don't have, haven't had the same experiences as you, and then they want to give you that lip service, oh, I know what you're going through. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Just, you really don't. You can't. Stop it. It's you impossible. Can only begin, yeah, you can only begin to understand, but it's very offensive when you tell me, oh, I know what you're going through. I'm like, no, yeah, you don't. Please, so, please tell me. How, what am I going through? Yeah. <laughs> I really Yeah. <laughs> please. So my takeaways to your questions is educate yourself on the situation, mm-hmm. have those open and hard conversations, mm-hmm. vote mm-hmm. in diversity in the workplace. I agree. That I mean, what I, what I like to see and what I do love what I see right now I see the whole world is behind this movement. The whole world is. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Even at the risk of health, with a with a pandemic going on, people are getting out there, or if they can't, um, they're doing things in different capacities to help this movement really progress in a positive way. To stop that whole 
you know, stigma on Black Lives Matter that, or or just don't try to spin it into something that it's not anymore. They're, they're, people are having thoughtful conversations worldwide and standing up for what's right. And I know, I know we talk a lot about 45 and the dumb shit that he does, but, you know, it had to come to a head at some point and it, maybe he doesn't realize what he's doing, but he's actually helping the cause right now because he's he, he, maybe he doesn't know he's helping the cause because every evil thing that he does, people are like, oh, well, I get it a little bit more what they were talking about. Oh, OK, we just peel back another layer. Let's have this conversation. Oh, he tweets that. Oh, OK. They're thugs. Hmm. OK, let's talk about that. So he's giving us talking points in this conversation. And I want that to keep going. I don't want that to die down. I want I want every I, I know that I know that people say that younger generations get more sensitive about you know certain topics, and you know they they're like you know this the bad shit that we said when we were younger, and and older generations what they've said you know it's offensive. Everything's offensive. I want them to, I, I want the that uh, that offended attitude to prompt discussions around. Let's talk about why you're offended by that and why it should go away. And and we have to respect each other's opinion. We have to stop alienating each other every time someone has a difference of opinion. However, the only difference of opinion that will not fly is if you are racist. You can't keep that shit going anymore. If, if there is no better time than to have these constant conversations, it is now... And I hope that we really capitalize on this moment in time because we might not ever get it again in our lifetime. We might not ever see it again. And the world's behind us, perfect opportunity. I mean, there was the Me Too movement, that worked. Why can't this be something that changes the world in a crazy meaningful way? Let's not, it's not even just, I know it's Black Lives Matter, but it's far beyond just Black Lives. It's saying that, you you can't you can't keep pushing us down or keeping in this in this glass bottle and hoping that we're like crabs and pull each other down so none of us makes it to the top. You you over 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 centuries, and they have to start teaching this and stuff in school too. Put it in history books. Put the put the bad shit that happened. Put it in the history books and let's have these hard conversations around. I. And, and I'm I'm gonna make it kind of like a joke because you know uh, black as f it always had a tagline at the end of their uh, episodes is because of race uh, because of slavery. <laughs> there is a lot of truth to that. Let's keep going with that conversation and get dig deeper and and have people understand that this country was built off the backs of minorities and 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 we have to have those tough conversations to say this is what was wrong. I know we came from you know this far away in time, but we're here now, and stuff really didn't change. Prison reform has to get better. The justice system has to get better. Drug distribution has to get better. You know all all these things. Um, 
keeping people from higher positions, as you were saying earlier, in the, in the corporate org structure has to get better. It, and, and I don't even mean that by affirmative action. I'm talking about putting the right person of color in those situations or positions, not just the fact that we need another black face. We want you to be good because you, your, your performance is going to reflect upon all of us. So don't don't set us up for situations like we're going to put him here. We know he's going to fail, blah, blah, blah. No, let's make things better. Let's have these conversations. We need to have these conversations. I'm tired of watching the news every freaking day. And there's always some bad stuff that happens right now. I know it's early in the week. I know 45 is just he might he might be just warming up, but. We we see really good things happen with the protests right now. Uh, we have to keep it going. I don't know what's going to happen with those four officers. I don't know if they're actually going to be, you know, convicted. I don't know. We don't know. However, come hell or high water, we got to do what we have to do to keep this change going. I said a lot right there. but Well said, brother. Well said. But I really appreciate it. We're going to wrap up, but I really appreciate um, you taking time out um, to to talk about this heavy, heavy topic. And as I said yesterday, I I hope you're being safe. I know you are. I hope you're being safe, but you're, you're doing God's work right now. You're, you're doing you're doing something that I can't do. And I I really uh, that's mad respect right there, you know? Um, so if you want to tell people how to find you, then this, I, I would like to give you an opportunity to do that on social Appreciate media, you, sir. not in person. Appreciate <laughs> you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> at the mind of cube on Instagram and Twitter is where you can find me usually. You can go to my pages to for some comic relief from the daily stresses of life. But now you're going to see a lot more activism posted on my social media. So please follow me at the mind of Q spelled just like it sounds. Now that phonetics better. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always great talking to you, man. Um, before, before we close out, and I know I just said a whole bunch, I, people, Keep the positive messages going. If you want to be on the show um, and talk about the same topic, um, please do reach out, and I'll be happy to have these conversations. I don't care if you're black, white. I don't. I don't care. We we if to have this conversation going, we can't isolate it to just one group of people. If we really want everybody to be behind this, just be honest. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. But I'll give you the opportunity. All right. But thank you again, Harry. Um, it's it's always a pleasure uh, to have you on and great conversation. I, I always always say we 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 produce the best shows um, when you're on because you know you you just have that ability to just right off the cuff give brilliant brilliant feedback and comment uh, comments about you know. Um, how you feel about things. And I know that, like I said earlier, this is totally different from what we usually talk about. And hopefully soon we can talk about like sports and tech and all that again and TV shows. But until 
until it is it is it is the right time we have to keep talking about this and again thank you sir excuse me oh lost my voice there not a problem sir you stay safe now you too thanks